This is your host, Brendan, and you're listening to the Ordinary to Ultra podcast. Each episode, I bring in an ultra runner and ask them about their journey to their first ultra marathon or their first time running a new ultra distance. We'll dive into why they started running in the first place, why they decided to run an ultra, the obstacles they encountered, and what it took to get to the finish line and beyond. I come back at the second loop and I same thing to him again. I said, Hey, I'm, I'm done. Like I just, I was just not going well for me. And he's like, no, you're not. He's like, I, once again, he's like, I did not come all this way. What do you need? Let's get you in. Like, and he gets me out. He for he, I go, dude, I don't even think I'm going to make the cutoff. He's like, that's okay. He goes, if they pull you from the course, that's a whole different story than you quitting on yourself. Now we'll just go walk. He goes, let's just go hike. And we started hiking. And, and I'll be honest, this is where you've probably seen some funny memes online. We're clocking 15, 15 and a half minute miles. We are not setting any land speed records. And he's just saying, it's getting dark. You know, night's coming in. He's like, it's fine. We're going to keep going. Um, and it was, this is my second hundred K. So this is funny earlier. I told you the second one's easier. Yeah. Not always. This one. <laughs> um, no. And so 18 mile loop with two, six, two aid stations, one at mile six, one at mile 12. And then you come back to the finish. He's like, look, we're just going aid station, aid station. We just got six miles to go to the next aid station. We'll take it smooth. Let's take it easy, whatever pace you want. We uh -huh. jogged a little bit, but mostly it was pretty easy. And I got to a point where I'm like, I'm going to finish the cutoff. It was 19 hours was the cutoff for the race. I got to a point, my spirit started to get lifted where I'm like, all right, I'm going to make the race cutoff. Yeah. And then it got to a point where I was like, the Western States cutoff was 17 hours. It was two hours faster than the, the race cutoff. Okay. Then I got like, the last six miles, I started to get to this place where I'm like, oh, wow, I could possibly make the cutoff for Western States qualifying. Hello, fellow ultra runners and those soon to be. This is your host, Brendan. You started this episode listening to an excerpt of uh, my interview with Mike DiGiovanni. Mike started uh, running several years ago as a tool to help himself become sober and has since really fallen in love with running and become an ultra runner. He's run two 100Ks, three 50-milers, five 50Ks, and four marathons in total. He loves to talk about how running and sobriety has changed his personal and professional life. And uh, after this episode, if you want to get more of his story, you'll have to make sure to follow him on his social media platforms. He's super active on LinkedIn and uh, also on TikTok and Instagram and Strava. Mike is 53 years young. He was born in New York, raised in Southern Florida, but currently lives in Southern California near Newport. He has a wife and two kids that are 15 and 17 years old, and he is the only runner in the family. That can be hard. Um, he is the VP of purchasing for a home builder, and uh, he also has his own clients and does his own things uh, with running and, and sobriety. So again, check out his social media platforms to see what he is doing. All right, that's enough background on Mike. Let's get into the show. Hey, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here today, man. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate this. It's an honor. Uh, I, well, thank you. And uh, super excited to chat with you more today about your story. Uh, had a good time catching up with you just now. And 
excited to dive into everything. Um, I'm, I'm just curious before we get going, have you done any fun runs lately uh, and, or any fun adventures? I'm curious. Um, no real fun runs. And honestly, right now I'm kind of, I'm rehabbing a little bit of a like kind of ankle discomfort that I have. So Ooh. I would say, um, I did actually, I went and ran with my group that I haven't been running with lately. Um, we just did kind of a casual run. Um, I had a very intense running season, uh, 2023 and, uh, we talked about that, but I did, uh, nine races this year seven of which were ultra marathon distance or longer. So right now I'm actually kind of enjoying the the calm and the peace. And um, I'm looking forward. There's a locally here. We have a little beach half marathon uh, that I'm going to do. I think this will be my fourth or fifth year uh, that I've been doing it. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that as far as fun run goes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What, what does recovery look like for you? You've got this, this ankle injury. Like I think uh, maybe some of us newer folks might think, oh, well, if you hurt yourself, maybe you're out of it for a while and you just kind of don't run. But what does that look like for you as an avid, avid ultra runner? Like you still running? Yeah. Um, So when, and let's caveat there's, there's, so there's two kinds of recoveries, right? Like even if you're not, Mm uh, injured, which I hate True. the injury word. Like I I'm, I'm experiencing some pain and some serious discomfort. I'm trying to keep it from becoming an injury. It's actually, okay, t- okay. I, have, I have a little, ten- I have a little tendonitis right now, but okay. I feel it. And I know if I keep pushing it, that it could become an injury. So, so okay. when I have that, um, right now, what I'm doing, I normally run four or five days a week, depending upon what race I'm running for the distance and where I'm at in the training block. Um, but, uh, right now I'm taking it easy. I just finished my, my last race of the season was on December 2nd. Uh, that was the Ray Miller 50 mile. And, um, so right now I'm just running about two days a week, uh, call it like, you know, eight to 14 miles instead of that four to five. And I'm going to kind of hold with that for the month. And that'll give me two to three weeks to kind of ease up on the running, um, before mm-hmm. I kind of get ready to get back into next year. Cause we got some big things on the horizon for 2024. So just okay. give it, giving the ankle a little bit of love. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for expounding on that. Um, that is that I imagine is frustrating. Um, have you had to push through uh, this tendonitis for some of your more recent races? Yeah, um, in particular that last one, December second, and that was a okay. that was a big important one for me because um, as we mentioned, when we were talking earlier. So KH races a really good friend of mine, Kira Henniger. Um, his, she runs a bunch of races, and I, I volunteer for a lot of her races. And I'm trying to trying to get through the cycle where I've, I've run every one of hers. And the Ray Miller, it, it's a very iconic race here in Southern California, and it was coming up, and uh, I wanted to to show up and, and do well. And um, the ankle was bothering me kind of for, I'd say, four to six weeks leading up to that. Um, I was hoping a lot of times when you when you run long distances, you'll get kind of creaks and cracks and whatnot. And but usually they'll move around. You know, they just kind of work their way. They'll be in the knee and then they move around and you just kind of and this one just kind of kept sticking and sticking. And so I, I had to kind of I had to push through it in, in the Ray Miller. What I have found is once I get running, 
um, with this particular injury and a lot of my injuries or sort of discomforts, once the yeah. body gets warmed up and I'm in race mode um, or even training mode, if I'm out for a 12 mile, 14 mile training run, once the body gets up and warmed up two, three, four miles in, it, everything seems to sort of settle out. Um, and then when I finish later on or the next day or later on, you know, an hour or two after the race or the next day, if it, it'll come back and So that's kind of what I was pushed last one. And thankfully it held up. Um, and, uh, you know, I did, I did all right for my age, as we talked about, you know, earlier, like at my age, it's, uh, it's not about, uh, you know, uh, I'm competitive. So I, I like to compete against myself. Um, but, uh, but it, it, it held up pretty well. That's all. okay. Nice. Um, it's interesting. You mentioned tendonitis um, too. I, uh, when I first started running, I had no idea what, what was happening to me, but I was totally experiencing tendonitis. I would get out for a, a mile run uh, or yeah. And towards the end of that mile, um, my ankles would be killing me and my shins. And I was like, what is happening? Uh, why am I, uh, this isn't even, it's not, not that long, you know, it's just a mile and I wasn't like pushing or anything, just a jog. Um, but yeah, if, if any of y'all listening are, are experiencing pain in your, in your ankles, um, and yeah, those lower legs, it could be tendonitis. Um, yeah, it's, and I've also yeah, found that when I push or when I push past the first few miles that it goes away, it's interesting. Yeah. Like it just warms up. Like, is that how that works? Yeah. And, and I think that's common. And so what I would say to people, there's, you know, yeah. don't, don't be fooled by thinking that you can continue to do that. So if you're, if okay. you're experiencing that, there's two things that, you know, it's, it's, when you're running, you're not warmed up. And so it hurts at the beginning. And then once your body starts to warm up, the muscles loosen up, things starts to stretch out. Um, and that's why when it's not an injury, let's say why it tends to go away after a little while. So, but my, my recommendation or what I would say to what I do, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor or a physical therapist and I did not say it to and express last night, but what I would say is <laughs> the, the two things to help with that, to, to avoid them and to work out of them is, strength training obviously and um and, and stretching um i'm not a big strength you know person and and you know it's just i i'm not a gym guy i'm not a weight guy so i struggle with that in all honesty i i just like to run um aside no we can talk about another time but as a matter of fact i have a running coach and the whole reason i picked my running coach was because in an article that i read about him in ultra running magazine it said what else do you like to do other than running for training and he said nothing i just like to run and i immediately yeah. like i was on the i was on the hook looking for a coach and i like emailed the company as sundog running and i like immediately like hit them up and i like hey is eric sensman available to coach because if he is i want him to be my coach but yeah. but stretching is the one thing i would tell everybody and and i didn't for a long time but i do now you should have no excuse for stretching because all you, if you can really just muster up five to ten minutes literally i'm telling you five to ten minutes of stretching before your runs and before every run if you find a simple stretching routine that works those areas that you tend to have those feelings or those you know those creaks and cracks with you will help avoid because what you're doing is you're working that muscle ahead of time and i'm not talking not not aggressive stretching you know just yeah. sort of and, and i've got like my routine that i do um that literally takes a, a little bit of time and it's funny that you mentioned, you know, your tendonitis. It, it is usually, I think, what a lot of people get beyond shin splints or plantar mm -hmm. fasciitis 
yeah. um, is the tendons. It's typically your tendons. And often, I mean, that's right. Those are all around your joints. Often what happens is I find that people aren't stretching and activating the proper muscles. And that was a big problem for me. I was very quad dominant in the first couple of years I ran. Mm. So my quads were doing all the work. And a lot of people, mm. maybe some of your listeners beginner would go, well, yeah, that, that's right. Like that's your biggest muscle, right? Like that's no, what you know, the glute is one of the strongest muscles in your body. And you would be surprised how many people don't use their glutes when they're running. They're mm. just using quads as a term physical therapist, so you're, you're quad dominant. And if you're not in balance and you're not getting the backs and those hamstrings and particularly the glutes fired up when you, before you start running, you'll start to pull joints in not natural ways that, you know, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a great book. If you haven't read it called, I think it's by Tom Foreman called, uh, my year of running dangerously. Um, mm. it's a great book. If you haven't got it, you should get it. It's hilarious. And he, he described it this way. This is what I say to people. If you're, if you're training for the 5k, the 10k turkey trot or something, or even one half marathon a year, you can deal with just about any kind of little discomfort because it really won't lead to something major. You're training for marathon, marathons, you're training for ultra marathons, you're going to be doing so much miles that those little inconveniences or whatnot, they're going to build. If you don't take care of them, they're going to hinder your, your, your long-term running career. So, and that's what got me to stretch. Like I didn't like to stretch, but then I realized I like running so much. I better do some maintenance on the machine. Dang. I, uh, <laughs> thank you so much. This is great advice. And I just want to say I'm the same. Uh, yeah, I'm like, I love running and I have my wife. She's a personal trainer. My, one of my best friends, uh, personal trainer. They're always trying to get me to the gym. I'm like, guys, but an hour, an hour working out at the gym is an hour. I could be hitting the trails. Like, uh, yeah, I need to yeah. do it though. So, so my advice you make is, is one I tell, and I tell your listeners is, is come up with a stretching program that works for you. Look, if you've got a friend who's a personal trainer and, or a PT or, just go to YouTube and just Google like running stretches. You'll find some do running yoga. There's plenty of yoga, yoga by Adrian. She's got tons of free videos on YouTube. You can check and they're specific to stretching. Um, and so I would say do those. And then for you and look, I need this advice too. So I'm telling myself as well as I'm telling you is <laughs> it doesn't take much more than like, you know, one of those adjustable 25 pound dumbbell sets, you know, where you can kind of uh -huh. click lock them or whatever. Yeah. And you're just doing a certain round of like, just, just knee bends or, you know, kind of step, you can do it at home in, yeah. you know, and once again, that, that's probably going to take you more like 15 to 30 minutes. Um, and, and my advice to you to give to your wife would be to say, Hey, can you give me something I can do in 15 to 20 minutes at home? And at least that'll get you started. And that's what I would tell people from a strength training perspective. Yeah. Don't try to go to the gym and spend an hour. Um, you know, just do something you can do at home, even if it's body weight stuff and spend 10 to 20 minutes, something manageable. Um, because if you go to the gym once and you kind of push yourself through 50 minutes and it's miserable, you don't like it, you won't go back. But yep. if you're doing, if you're doing 15 or 20 minutes at home and you're like, ah, that's not too bad. You're more likely to do it again for the long-term benefits of, of your running. Preach Cause that's much. the whole goal. Like just to run longer. <laughs> yeah, that exactly. Yeah. And it's true, you know, especially in these upper distances, I've been reading books and talking to to other uh, longtime ultra runners like you. And yeah, I'm, I'm hearing strength training is, is helpful and it will help you go farther, uh, especially yeah. looking at these longer distances. So thank you. Great advice. Yeah. That's this is, yeah. this is gold for uh, our listeners here.
Um, okay. I want so that's one thing now... so I would tell people is okay. if you if you if your glutes are tired or sore when you're done running or the day after, you're doing something right. Like I just, mm-hmm. I tell everybody that I meet about that. Like, I'm like, if your glutes and, and so you should also look for things like, uh, do some, there's some things you can do to activate your glutes, uh, before you run, which is huge as well too. So stretch, activate your glutes and try to work in a little strength and, and you'll, you'll run longer and run further. Love it. All right, Mike. So I'd like to go back in time and and talk about why and when you first got into running. Sure. Um, I was one of those guys who, who hated running. You know, those people who say like they'd never run, didn't run in high school, middle school, college, no track, no cross country. Um, but I had, I struggled with, uh, with drug and alcohol addiction for the better part of my life for a whole bunch of other reasons that, that we'll save for another podcast, but let's just say childhood issues. And, uh, in, in along the way in that window, I was sort of struggling to sort of find my way back to sobriety. Um, I'd had different bouts of being sober for seven years. And then I was in this window of time where I wasn't. Um, and I'm almost sober, almost six years. I'm coming up with my six year birthday um, pretty soon here. And I was, was looking to get back to that healthy lifestyle. And I found a group in, in Denver called uh, the Phoenix and they were more focused on rock climbing, but they had a, a couple guys that had a little running group and they would run a couple times a week. Uh, one time was kind of dirt pack, uh, you know, bike trails. And then another time, one, one time a week was actually trail running. And so I did that for a little bit and then still had my struggles with, you know, and it, it's hard to be, I don't see how runners can drink at all, like let alone ultra runners, but some of them do. It just doesn't work for me. And so I relocated to California. I got sober. And after about a year getting sober, I decided it's time to do something physical, move my body, get myself healthy that I felt would help me stay sober. And I remember that I enjoyed running and I remembered being a part of that, the, the Phoenix group. And I said, I'm going to go out and I'm going to start running. And I started running. I said, I'm going to sign up for a race because I figure if I have a goal, this will help. And uh, I signed up for this is, in Ju- this is in June of 2019, right before COVID, right? And I signed up for the Long Beach Half Marathon. I found a training program online. And about four or five weeks into it, I was bored. Um, And so I went back online. I found a marathon training program. And I figured out what week kind of lined up with the week I was at to slide from the half marathon training program in the spreadsheet to the full. Looked at the window of time. Looked at the date of the half marathon I'd signed up for and was like, all right, got online. I upped my reservation from a half marathon to a full. Um, and in October of 2019, I, I ran my first marathon, the Long Beach Marathon, which is a flat and my fast, they call it. Mine was not very fast. It was grueling. Um, I hit that proverbial, uh, you know, that wall they talk about at like 18 to 20. Um, and then mile 22 to 26 were just brutal. Um, and, uh, I thought for about 24 to 36 hours, I thought I'll never do that again. Um, and then, and then I was signing up for my next one shortly after that. Window. Um, and I've, I've been running ever since then, you know? And so it's just something that I've, you know, I've just grown to love. It's so funny. And then 
and then you gave in <laughs> and signed up for another one. How many times have, have you heard that from other runners? <laughs> oh my God. We all talk about it like after that first one or, and, and you're going to find this too, like the ultra running joke too, is like, you'll do one and then you're like, oh God, like, especially when you're going to like the next distance, right? You'll do yeah. one. Um, like I found, I'm trying to think like how many marathons I did. I've done... I've done four official marathons, like just straight up 26-2 marathons, road marathons. Um, and I would say it was only after the first marathon that I said I'll never do that again. But I will say there were times after certain ultra distances where I'm like, I don't, I don't think I want to do that again. And actually, it was funny. It was after my first 50 miler, um, which was mm -hmm. September of last year, mm -hmm. that I, I kind of thought, you know what? I, don't, I think I'm just going to give up on the 100-mile dream and uh just stick to 50ks you know we talked about that earlier before we got on the record yeah. um you know I, I like 50ks they're just they're not that time consuming relatively speaking to train for yeah um yeah. and compared to a 50 mile because when i did the 50 that was the first time that i really had to get into the five day a week training um, yeah 50 miler yeah yeah and yeah. it's funny earlier we we're talking about the recovery it's like sort of the recovery uh i think as you go up in distance you ever you, anybody talk that you talk to talk about like the base you know you kind of like you you just start raising your base and so i, I believe that as you start getting to the higher distances the first and or second time you do each of those um they're really hard and the recovery is, is kind of, uh, not arduous, but longer. Um, yeah. and so after each level up in distance, you've really got to ask yourself, do I want to keep going? Mm -hmm. And, and you know, my advice to people on that thing would be is one of two things is one, um, understand whatever it is, if it's a 50 K and you want to go to a 50 miler, the training is going to be more intense. Like it's going to take more time. If it's a 50 miler and you want to go to a hundred K that's not a massive jump, right? Cause you're going from 50 miles to 62. It sounds yeah. like a lot, you know, earlier on in the stage, yeah. but the big jumps really are when you go from a 50 K 31 miles to 50 miles, it's, it's 19 miles. And, you know, and obviously everybody knows trail marathons kind of like they vary a little bit. And sometimes I've had, I've run some 55 Ks and I've seen 60s here, but generally speaking, you go marathon 50 K is 30 miles, the next or 31. And then the next one's 50, that 19 miles, that's a big jump. Like, right. That's a huge increment. But then when you go from 50 to the hundred K of 62, it's a lot, but relatively right. Like relatively speaking, it's 12 miles compared to the last jump was 19 and then comes the, the, the dad, right? Like the hundred miler, which now you're going yeah. from 62 to a hundred miles and you're like, Oh man. So, and, and just the recovery Jeez. seems to a little longer with each one. Um, and I, I think that, you know, after each one, you're going to probably, a lot of people have that, like, Oh, I don't think I want to do that again. And I would say to them, it's just, just like the last plateau, you know, you hit or the last level, give it a day or two, maybe even a week think about it. And, uh, you know, if you do one more, I feel like at that distance, that second one is always to me a lot easier just overall, because you're learning more about the training process to get to that distance. You're learning more about the fueling and how your body is going to react, whether it's, you know, you do a 50 K and it's, you know, takes you six or seven hours and then you go to a 50 miler. Now it takes you, you know, 13 or 14 hours. It's a huge difference. That first time is a, it's a, it's a learning experience in and of itself. 
you do the next one and I feel like you kind of, it's, you kind of start to dial some things in you're getting a little bit better at it. So, but yeah, it's a, a lot of people do say that particularly after the marathon, I've heard that a lot, like, Oh, I'll never do that again. And, and then many of them are like, you know, signed up for a marathon within a week, you know? So and but, we yeah, do and that. I'm hooked now. We do that because why we love what do we love about it? That we, we love something about it more than we hated the pain. <laughs> right? That's yeah. The... Yeah. You know, and it's, I, I like it. And, and right now I, I try to translate a lot of like what I've learned from training for running to life and, and business and, uh -huh. and entrepreneurship and all of that. And, you know, we all, we've all heard it, right? Like love the journey, not, or love, yeah, love the journey, not the destination. And mm -hmm. I know it's a little cliche, but, but it ultimately is true. I think there's one of my more favorite sayings on that is, you know, the person who loves walking will, will go much further than the person who's just trying to get, you know, whatever, a hundred miles or whatnot. Because if you, if you're just trying to get to a hundred miles, like, and you don't love walking, it's going to be really long. So yeah. I, I've grown to love that process. And I had a, I had a mountain biking coach when I lived in Denver, who used to talk about, he said, we sign up for races just so we train. He, and he used to try to preach to us. And he, he I don't even think he realized he was a, ahead of himself in years. What he was essentially saying is we don't sign up for the race to go race. We sign up for the race so that we do all of this other stuff leading up to the race, which is the training. And for mm. me, um, there's, I find a lot of beauty and discipline in my life. You know, I have, you know, ADD tendencies. I don't know that I really am ADD, but like I've got a lot of anxiety, which, you know, kind of manifests in sort of having a hard time sticking to one thing versus another. And so I just like the discipline and the ritual of putting a training plan together and mapping it out and going in. And then the goal does become like, I really look at it as like, I put the goal out there and then I love building that map to what does that look like to get there? And then just going and executing on it. Um, and I've really enjoyed, to be honest, I've really enjoyed having a coach too, because I don't have to think about it then. Like I know mm -hmm. he's going to tell me what I got to do for the next two weeks. I know what days we just, we work certain things out. Like I'm like, I run Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. And so mm -hmm. I just have a plan. I know what I block my time and I look at the Google sheet that we share. Oh, that's what I'm doing for the next two weeks. And, you know, and he watches what I'm doing and, you know, builds on that. That journey for me is, is what it's about. And I think it translates to so many things beyond running. Um, you know, just like the sobriety for me, it's a journey. Like if, you know, I've, I've translated that not into, you know, people say like, there's, there's no destination of sobriety. It's not like I can, Oh, like if I'm sober for five years, look, I proved that. Like I proved I was sober seven years and then I stopped my sobriety and started drinking again. And I went into a bigger pit than I was ever in before. So if you think about it, like almost from that perspective for me, I can't set, there's no destination with sobriety. Right. I mean, like mm -hmm. the ultimate destination would be like, I just stay sober till I die. And that can kind of be a little awkward to think about it in that term, but it's just <laughs> yeah. like, it's, but it's the journey then for me. Like I'm, I'm on a journey today of not drinking and I'm on a journey today of like thinking, you know, what's my next race look like? When is that? So that I can continue this journey. And, and so, and that's the beauty to me to, uh, also about trail running. Like most ultra marathons are on trails. There, there are plenty of track yeah. ones or whatnot, but yeah. No two races are the same. Like absolutely no two races are the same. I don't care if you run the same exact race. 
it's a different day and the weather is different, you know, and so in the elevation, like you just can't systematize how that race is going to work out like on that. And, and you're on single track, you know, so it's like, we got a lot of these races, like that mm. Ray Miller one I did most recently, they purposely, a lot of these runs where you're going to hit single track fast, they'll start you like a quarter or a third of a mile back from where the single track, just to let the, the, the clog of like the 30 or a hundred, whatever it is, hundred people sort of work themselves out a little bit. Yep. But you just, you never know. I've had times where I'm like, I'm just dropping into my pace and like, and I try to, I've gotten much more mature about my pacing in the, in the last six months than I used to be go out too fast. I settle into my pace and I feel like I'm good. And then all of a sudden I find myself behind somebody who's slowing down because they went out a little too hot. And now they're slowing down. So you just never know every, every single day, every race is different. So it's really the journey to show up that day and do your best is for me what it's all about. Boom. Wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so, some people, my, my was, good friend, that was beautiful. My good, friend, brute, my good friend Patrick calls it brute force and ignorance. That's what he says ultra running is. <laughs> Not wisdom. He's just brute force and ignorance. <laughs> so that is one take. I, yeah. yeah, and that's there's... that's just for race day, in my opinion. Yeah, like some there are some days, and I've had a couple of I've had a couple of bad races, you know, where uh, mm-hmm. I had one early this year where I wanted to quit my first race. I really wanted to quit, and mm-hmm. um, uh, just very grateful I didn't, and uh, I didn't because of my support and my friends. You know, were like, no, no, you you're not done yet. <laughs> so, Mike, maybe talk to me a little bit about that. Um... You, like for me, for example, uh, my, I, I don't have a ton of running friends yet, but I'm, that's building and that's really exciting. But what, uh, what does support look like in a race? Like, let's say someone's preparing for their first 50 K, uh, or maybe 50 miler. Um, those are common first ultra distances, uh, what does support look like for those people? Is it usually just people at the finish line or are there often people at the that that they know that are at the aid stations there to cheer them on? Uh, and how do you get that together? Like, who do those people consist of? Too, like, I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. So, first off, we'll go back to the journey. First of all, I think there's so much more support needed leading up to the race, right? Like, it's okay, your your, your wife and your family, right? Like, True. being supportive of the training that you're going to do. Um, and sometimes that support is just being, you know, you know, emotionally and, and, you know, you know, Hey, yeah, you know, go, go do this, you know, and you're working out schedules with when your wife goes to the gym or when your partner goes to the gym and when you do your thing. Right. And so that is the hugest, I mean, like if you have that, like, Hey, I'm just willing to work out that scheduling piece of things with you. That's where it all starts. I think then, then when you talk about like on race day, um, what it does boil down to is, uh, you know, and, and most of the 50 Ks that I've run, they're sort of limited um, where other people can support you. Like you can't typically have a pacer in most 50 Ks, not to say that none do, but most of the ones I run. But typically when you get, say, like to the 50 miles and the 100 K, you'll you'll have an option for a pacer. So that's kind of support that you can have and they can pick you up at designated spots approved by the race director. Um, mm. But I would say also even on your 50 Ks, 
you can have in the aid station, they'll, they'll usually tell you like when you're signing up, you'll, you'll see which ones have correct access. So typically think about this, like, and my hat's off to every race director in, in, in the country, like in, in the world, like, because what they do to figure these out, map them out and logistically put them together, you know, I volunteered a ton, so I know what it takes, but Typically, you know, you're trying to space out these aid stations in a certain window of time. And they're usually like I would say you're trying to have an aid station everywhere in kind of the six to ten mile ish range every, you know, kind of. Um, so you're trying to make these these races where, you know, they'll pass by, let's say, like a, a campground, which typically then by a campground, there's usually a parking lot somewhere. So it makes it kind of reasonable for the, the, the volunteers to get in and get access to that trail. Um, and so typically, if you want to have, if you have friends who want to come watch you or support you, um, they can start with you at the beginning and they can understand your pacing and they can go to some of these places where they'll say there's crew access. Mm-hmm. Um, I typically, when I volunteer, I'm typically the guy who gets asked to hoof into that one or two aid stations where uh, there is no crew access because you know there is no like you know mm-hmm. here's this here's this here's a 20 mile stretch or whatever it may be, or this 12 mile stretch and we can't get any road access. So, so you can have friends that do that. What I would say to this um, is, you know, if, if you're thinking about supporting or, you know, being their race day support for somebody, and this is a little bit more for those thinking of supporting as well as if you're going to, if you're going to run and you're going to ask somebody to support you, let's say this, um, probably the average time for a 50 K on, you know, on a typical you're you're in Utah, right? Like, so you you got, you got elevation. Um, You're probably looking at, let's call it seven hours, you know, like um, I'm a little faster than that. You know, there's people a little slower than that, but everybody's got their pace, but let's just say it's seven hours. So you're going to leave that start line and you're not coming back for seven hours. So if I go and there's two spots, let's say that I can see you, if I'm going to ask somebody to be a part of that and be that sort of moral support. I want to see, you know, Jimmy said he's going to come and support me or my wife or my partner. So they're going to see me off the finish line. First off, you're probably going to be there very early in the morning. You're going to be there five, six, or seven in the morning at the start time. You're going to go drive to some spot to get access to see me, maybe give me a high five. I'm going to come in and out in probably two to five minutes and then I'm gone. You might have on a 50 K you might have two spots maybe on a 50 K where they can see you and then come back to the finish. So in seven hours, what you're going to get is the the 20 or 30 minutes before the start. You're going to get five minutes at one spot, five minutes another. If you time it right too, because like I've had, I've had times where like you're ahead of the people who are going to come meet you or I'm coming to support somebody Uh and they're just running hot. Yeah. And sometimes you show up to meet them, you might be sitting there for an hour waiting them to come in because maybe that's seven hours. It's not the best day. It's a hot day. And it turns out that all of a sudden, well, now, uh, you know what? It's going to be a nine hour day. And so you might wait. So um, so from a support perspective, like I said, I think it's a lot of it is the front end emotional support for our family unit to be supportive of that journey because it's going to take time and effort. Um, and then on, on race day, I just tell people is like, look, be thoughtful if you really if you really want to do it. And my advice would be, unless you're gung ho and you got to both be honest with each other, are you cool with spending your whole day and getting to see me maybe a total of half hour before the race, five minutes, five minutes, and then after the race when I could be like a zombie, right? If you're cool with that, all right, let's go. If you're my ride or die buddy, you know, like let's go. But I would also maybe say, you know what? If you're not, 
come to the finish line, you know, and, and tell them, you know, Hey, you could chill out. There's always people hanging out at the finish line. So it's fun. So even if you're having one of those seven, eight or nine hour days and they show up six hours after start, there's always lots of fun around the finish line. There's crew and other people waiting there. So if they're there and they're waiting for a couple hours for you to come in and then who doesn't like to see their friend come across the finish line, finishing like their, you know, their current longest distance, you know? So, so that's something to think about when you get into the longer races though, you get to the hundred Ks, it can almost start to become mm -hmm. essential. There are diehard, like no crew, um, you know, people pride themselves on that, like no crew, no pacers, all that at their total solos. Um, mm -hmm. I, I did that up until I got to my second hundred K and I asked a buddy to pace me. Um, you get to hundred K hundred miles, um, and it starts to get to that place where, you know, you, you probably want to think about it. I mean, unless you're a solo runner and you just want to be alone for 12, 16, 18 hours, <laughs> um, then it becomes kind of key and helpful to, you know, have people there. And you, you know, then at that point, you know, you, you really like drop bags. Like as you get to these longer races, you can also pack a little like care package for yourself and they'll take it to a certain aid station um if those are crew accessible which the drop bag stations usually are you know then you know maybe your maybe your friends or your buddy you know meet you there and then it's great mm -hmm. to like have uh and you could be you could be on desk door in some of these things and you're like hey could you get that ketone i got a, i got a little you know ketone iq in, the, in my drop bag can you grab that yeah. crack it open for even that little bit of help yeah you know, oh can you put can you put some of my electrolytes in this in my bladder mm -hmm. for me and fill my bladder up? Because you're allowed to get assistance and aid at that place. But I also, if you want to do it on your own and that's your thing and you've got nobody who's into that, most trail runs and they talk about it, right? The aid stations are epic, right? Like they're not like road. You know, you go to a road and you get to the aid station, you've got water electrolytes and maybe there's some goose or whatever man you show up at a, at a good trail running uh race uh aid station you got pb and j you got chocolates you got pickles you know salt <laughs> you, you, depending upon yeah, the size of magnet you can have all kinds of stuff and the last one i did the ray miller that's a pretty big race um it's like probably like i want to say it's about 400 or 450 people race there's three distances okay. uh -huh. um, you show up at those aid stations they know that's a it's a drop bag station. You come in, they see your number. They'll look at you. Do you have a drop bag? Yes, I do. They'll go get it for you. They'll hand it to you. Um, they'll help that's you. Sweet. You know, if you have something. Um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a great community. You know, so yeah, really and, helpful and then, people. That's your question. The the support. Where do you get it? What I tell people is like, if you have no support, let's say you're just single, right? Like you're you're solo. You're on your maybe like me, right? Like maybe you're running because you're trying to stay sober. Um, you go out and train, train up and go to your first race, go to a, go to a shorter trail race. As I tell people like, don't feel mm -hmm. like you got to wait to train up for a 50 K to go to experience the trail running. There are yep. 25 Ks, you know, there's yep. half marathons, there's 10 K trail runs, get yep. out and start running those races, get out of your comfort zone, hang out after the race, chat with people. You'll meet people. You'll meet people yep. that have running groups, discord channels before yep. you know it you'll have friends that'll just like do anything for you at any race. Yeah. That's great advice. Mike, I'm curious to, if, did you ever pay somebody for a longer distance before you did that distance uh, for like a 50 K or sorry, 50 miler, for example, or, or your hundred K, did you pace those for someone before you did them yourself or did you just hop right into it? 
No. Um, and okay. I actually, I've only, I offered to pay somebody one time. I've done, I've had one pacing opportunity. I've done more okay. of what I've done. Um, I've done tons of, of volunteering on trails. Like, so I do okay. lots of aid yeah. station work, directional work. Um, oh, nice. But I, um, a, a friend of mine was doing uh, the Kodiak 100 miler here in Big Bear, California. Okay. And, and I basically just, I, I had not paced yet. And pacing yeah. is, it was a little intimidating, right? Like, and why it's intimidating is, you wonder, like, am I going to do the right thing for that person when they're there? Because typically when you pay yeah. somebody, you're, you're picking them up at, at, at least at the earliest around half of the race distance. So if it's a 50 miler, you're probably picking them up between 20, 23, right? Let's just call it 25 miles, 25 to 30 miles. Um, yeah. and, and usually that's that's kind of how it works. You're picking somebody up on the back half of the race. Interesting. Um, it's, it's, I was always intimidated, like, you know, because I'm still new to this. Like I ran, I was just looking at, I ran my first uh, 50K in December of 2021. So what are we like? We're literally uh, two years, right? Two years. years ago, I ran my first ultra. And so I was like, am I going to do the right thing? Am I going to say the right thing? Am I going to be the right person that they need for motivation at that time? Am I going to run the right pace? Do I be in front? Do I go in the back? Like, what do I do? I was so, so nervous about it. And so when my friend had put out that she was going to run this hundred miler and she, um, she's run a bunch and she's kind of sort of taken more into hiking and she's running this amazing company. It's, uh, it's Kira who runs for cage races. Um, uh-huh. I like literally I immediately texted her and I was like, can I please, can I like, cause I knew she would be a great teacher. She's been in the community for forever. Um, and I knew the support group that she had. And I basically just said, Hey, I'll do whatever if you need me to crew, but I would really love to pace you. Um, so I, never paced any before anybody any of those distances and okay. i was intimidated now i'm a lot more comfortable and then i think i'm trying to remember if it was before or after that like i i just had my first pacer at this uh my, yeah. my second 100k that i ran mm-hmm. um it was kind of a an interesting concept to me and i think even asking somebody pace i was also nervous it's funny like i was nervous to be a pacer for all the reasons i described and i was also nervous for me for them because i was like god what if i get to this place where uh i'm too fast i'm too slow i'm too this i'm too that and then uh-huh. lo and behold the first race i go to have a pacer it was a triple loop course so it's called the kuyama okay. 100k uh-huh. um and it's a western states qualifier and that's that's why i ran it it was one of the last western states qualifier in the southwest i'm like okay. i gotta run this race so i sign up i asked my buddy patrick to pace me and i it's three loops, a 50 K uh-huh. loop, and then a 12 mile and an 18 mile. I came okay. back after the first 50 K loop. It was hotter than everybody expected that day. I, I, I bombed out, came back to life. And then I tripped and fell and cramped. And af- after the first loop, I was like, I'm done. I, t- I walk in my buddy, my buddy was going to pace me. Thank goodness. He was early. So he could only pick me up for the last loop, but he showed up before I finished the first loop and uh-huh. I show up. And I'm like, and he was there to crew me. So he's going to help yeah. me like that okay. and then wait for me to go do 12 more miles. So it's a good, this is what it can be like. He shows up. What a friend. And I, I, yeah. It's a, just as a true friend. He, I got 12 more miles to do. So I show up and I'm like, I'm done. He's like, what do you mean you're done? Like, he's like, and he started playing the mind games with me. He's like, I didn't drive all this way to pay yeah. you for you to quit. Like, you know, so <laughs> he, 
he knew psychologically what he needed to do. And so he and a couple other friends who were there, they got me salted up. They got me squared up away. And so this is kind of back to that support group. It's just, yeah. you never know. And I've had races where I didn't really need anybody, but if I didn't have them that day, I would not have finished that race. So he pushed me out to go finish my second loop and then waited for me to do a very slow 12 mile loop before he could actually come out on the course with me for the last 18. I come back at the second loop and I same thing to him again. I said, Hey, I'm, I'm done. Like I just, I was just not going well for me. And he's like, no, you're not. He's like, I, once again, he's like, I did not come all this way. What do you need? Let's get you in. Like, and he gets me out. He for he, I go, dude, I don't even think I'm going to make the cutoff. He's like, that's okay. He goes, if they pull you from the course, that's a whole different story than you quitting on yourself. Now we'll just go walk. He goes, let's just go hike. And we started hiking. And, and I'll be honest, this is where you've probably seen some funny memes online. We're clocking 15, 15 and a half minute miles. We are not setting any land speed records. And he's just saying, it's getting dark. You know, night's coming in. He's like, it's fine. We're going to keep going. Um, and it was, this is my second hundred K. So this is funny earlier. I told you the second one's easier. Yeah. Not always. This one. <laughs> um, no. And so 18 mile loop with two, six, two aid stations, one at mile six, one at mile 12. And then you come back to the finish. He's like, look, we're just going aid station, aid station. We just got six miles to go to the next aid station. We'll take it smooth. Let's take it easy, whatever pace you want. We uh -huh. jogged a little bit, but mostly it was pretty easy. And I got to a point where I'm like, I'm going to finish the cutoff. It was 19 hours was the cutoff for the race. I got to a point, my spirit started to get lifted where I'm like, all right, I'm going to make the race cutoff. Yeah. And then it got to a point where I was like, the Western States cutoff was 17 hours. It was two hours faster than the, the race cutoff. Okay. Then I got like, the last six miles, I started to get to this place where I'm like, oh, wow, I could possibly make the cutoff for Western States qualifying. We we hit a turn, and at this turn, it's uh, the last mile, and there's a yellow sign up with an arrow, and it says one mile to go. And I look, I tell my, I asked my buddy Patrick, what time is it? And he says, it's 11, what do you say? It's 11.16, and the cutoff would have been 11.30 because uh, we started yeah. at 6.30. And in, in my head, I'm good with math. I mentally go, that's 14 minutes. We've been clocking 15, 15 and a half minutes, literally for the last 15 miles. I'm like, this isn't going to cut it, but I am damn close. And I don't know where it came from. I literally started jogging. And he. it took him a second but to realize that I had done the math. We finished that last mile in like 11 minutes and 19 seconds. So I, I, I qualified for Western States with like three minutes to spare. Dang. And if I didn't have the support that day of him, Patrick there pushing me, I was going to quit. Yeah. And lo and behold, it's a story now that I have to tell myself that even though it wasn't the result time-wise that I was hoping to get that day, it was a testament to with support and surrounding yourself with the right people, what you can push and persevere through. Now, I only have one ticket for Western States. I don't know if you've heard about that. It's a tough, it's a tough race to I get have. into. <laughs> In fact, I watched but, a, a video on it yesterday. It looks awesome. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great race. And so now I have a ticket. Now when I qualify next year, I can go in again. Then I'll have two tickets because they, they let your tickets roll and then they kind of, they kind of multiply in a sense. So huh. you get it's something like one, to the N minus one or something like that. So if you've qualified three years in a row, um, you get, uh, mm -hmm. I think it's one ticket, two tickets, four tickets, eight tickets, 16. So oh, like if you keep qualifying, okay. it grows. And, and there are people who 
they just keep going and they'll, it, it'll take them three years, five years, eight years, nine years to get in Ugh, uh, because the only other way do. to get in is to go like win a race somewhere. You have to win a certain race. So yeah, uh, this is Western yeah. States hundred. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the Western yeah. States endurance run, it's a hundred miles. It's yeah. uh, in okay. Northern California. It's a point to point from like, I think it's from Olympia national park into the town of Auburn. Um, and it's like 16,000 feet of, of climbing or 18, 16 or 18. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's the oldest hundred mile race in existence today. Okay. It started in like, I want to say 70, 70. Okay. Uh, Yeah. It was 74. So, um, I think, I think the JFK 50 mile is the oldest ultra marathon. Cause I, I forget when that started, but that started like before that one, but the Western States, it's only one distance. It's just the hundred miles and it's yeah. the oldest. And it's also like, it's funny for the permitting. So a lot of people don't realize it's like most of these races, they happen on, you know, public lands, whether it's state uh-huh. parks, national parks. So the permitting can be a little bit of a pain and your permitting yeah. typically tells you how many people you can have. So I think Western States is capped at like 360 people for their permits. That's yeah, it. That's all they super low. Yeah. So even if they wanted to make, and it is literally the most storied, I mean, it's like, it is the Mecca of all Meccas like races. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so I think they do a hundred of the tickets for the 360 go to sponsors and people who win certain, there's certain races that if you win this race or come in first, second, or third, you get a guaranteed entrance. Um, uh, and then they raffle off 260. And I think this year dang. there were over 9,000 entrants and there were over 54,000 tickets. So see, this is what you've, this is what all, any of your listeners who are like thinking about getting into the community, this is the buzz like that, you know, that people, it's like, I kind of like, you have any tattoos? Uh, so I have a, I have a few tattoos. I like an ultra running to tattoos. And what do I mean by that? I know a bunch of people who in college, they got one tattoo Yeah, and kind of were, eh, it was all right. Or it was even ugly. It was the stupidest tattoo they ever got. <laughs> and they never got, an, they never got another one. Yeah. And then there's your tattoo people. They get one and they love that one. And then they yep. get a second. <laughs> I see. I think that's kind of how ultra running is. So it's like you you either go and you do one, and you just you you just like oh god that was, and you never do it again. But or you're one of those you just you start going to the next one. You get hooked. You get addicted. And, and look, <laughs> there's way worse things in my opinion that we could spend our time doing. Right? Like you're you know agree. Like one of the things you, you like you wanted to be outside, right? You want to get out to nature and and see what the world has to offer. It's funny you say that. Um... Most of our listeners will probably have already listened to an episode with uh, a buddy of mine named Miles, and he said, "All we are as runners is a bunch of addicts, uh, <laughs> addicts to <laughs> to uh, what the endorphins that running gives you, or whatever else running gives you. But we're we're addicted to it. Um, but <laughs> uh, yeah. definitely worse things that you could be addicted to." Uh, yeah and 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 honestly you will find is and we're saying to your to your listeners is like look go go sign up for a 10k trail run like if you're if you've and i say a lot of people if you're and i see a lot of people i'm uh i'm a mentor for a trail running group which is uh we typically train it's usually like a 12 12 12-week training program that we train for 
Uh, we pick a race that has multiple distances and it's usually got a 10K to a 50K and a couple of distances in between. Um, and we have everything from, there are people training to run their first 10K and they just, they like being outdoors and they're hikers. So they want to go and, and do it on the trail rather than go do the turkey trot um, to some people have run trails before, but this will be their first 50K. Um, and then we have some people who maybe run a 50K or a couple marathons and they're trying to get into the trail or just like improve their performance. Um, and so, like I say to your listeners, if you, even if you're like a runner, let's say you've run a half marathon or something like that before, but you've done mostly sort of road or stuff, um, go find a, a trail. You know, if you're, if you're at all interested, if you're curious at all, if you're, if you're, we'll call it ultra curious, right? They're sober curious. Uh, if you're ultra yes. curious, um, <laughs> go, go find a trail race locally. There are plenty of them around. There's the race directors are all phenomenal. They all run great races and go run one and go run a 10 K run what you're comfortable, right? Run a half marathon. Um, like I think sometimes a lot of people tend to think that trail running is ultra running. Um, and, and they overlap and those communities are together, which is wonderful because it just makes the community bigger and, and just more like lively and colorful. Um, mm. but you don't have to be an ultra runner to be a trail runner. You know, and if that's not your jam, um, you know, we just we just want good, fun people to come out and, and enjoy, you know, what the, the what the mountains like, at least out here with them. And, you know, too, like, so I got yes. some friends back east. They're like, what do you mean mountains? You know? mountains. <laughs> so, what is a mountain? <laughs> I highly encourage you to go try it out and, and find a group, um, you know, find a group and, and go run and go do some training or just like I said, just go run a 10K and you'll meet cool people. Totally, Mike. This is this has been an amazing episode. Such awesome stories. Thank you for all of your advice today. Um, and especially everything uh, revolving around support and, uh, and what keeps us running. Um, we are addicts, but you know what? Um, it's, a, it's a great thing to be addicted to. And maybe you aren't an addict yet. You know, maybe you just started this and you're like, it doesn't feel addicting yet. I, I hate this actually, or this is really hard. Um, you can get there, you know? whatever your reason yeah. is for starting to run, uh, just keep it going and, and your reasons will change. We talk about that a lot on this podcast, your why, and, and that'll evolve over time. And, and that's a beautiful thing. So I just want to thank you, Mike, and thank you listeners for being here and, and just keep on keeping on, just keep going journey before destination. Uh, Absolutely. As, enjoy, as enjoy that journey. <laughs> enjoy the journey. So, Thanks again, Mike. I'm curious if, or if, uh, do you have any social media things or other businesses or websites you'd like folks to check out that, to keep up with you and follow you? Yeah. So, uh, I'm on, I'm on TikTok and, uh, Instagram and Strava. Um, and people can find me. It's, uh, I'm M D G runner, M D I G I runner, um, at all three of those. Um, and then also, you know, Mike D Giovanni on LinkedIn. I know that's kind of how we connected. I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn and, and translating what I do in the running world of the business community. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and by all means, I, I'll shoot, I'll shoot the contact to you, you can put it in the show notes if you like. Um, so if people sure. want to connect with me more, I love, I love talking running. I love talking, you know, mindset, motivation, you know, why you're doing what you're doing and how to break through, uh, that lack of motivation to get to that, you know, that next step. And, uh, you know, I'll leave with this thought too. It's like the other beautiful thing about trail running 
you know, you're running your own pace. Nobody's, nobody's cares how fast or how slow you're going. Um, it's just about being out on the trail and enjoying the fresh, clean air and making the most of what this uh, world has to offer. I love it, Mike. Well, thanks again. Thanks again for being awesome. here for your time. And we'll definitely share that out with the, the folks. Thanks everyone for listening and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for having me. Hey, Brendan here. I just wanted to thank you for listening to today's episode. As someone new to ultra running myself, I found these conversations to be super valuable and I hope they are for you as well. And if you want to know when the next podcast episode comes out, make sure you subscribe to the show. Also, some exciting news. The Ordinary to Ultra Facebook group is live. This is a great place to meet other aspiring, new, and experienced ultra runners and have any questions you have answered, get some advice, maybe find a running buddy that's local or maybe virtual. And it's just a great place to make connections with other psychos that like to run way too much. <laughs> the link is in the description of this episode if you want to go join that Facebook group and make some awesome connections. And that is all. Thanks again for joining me today and we'll catch you in the next episode.